Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. Even the word concerned. I'm concerned that. 
And really, it might be an offense. We can be offended by other cultures. We can say other cultures are too loud, or other cultures are too this, or they're that. We can be offended by strangers, store clerks. How many people have been offended by a store clerk? I, I've been offended in my heart when I go as a customer and the store clerk asks, acts like they're doing me a giant, huge favor to talk to me. And I don't say anything and I don't act any differently, but in my heart, God has showed me, Kathleen, you're offended with them. Or if I say thank you, they say, yeah, you're welcome. Or they use slang terms or no one says yes, ma'am, anymore, you know, and they're all of 12 years old and you just get offended. We can be offended by strangers. We can be offended in our car with other drivers, right? I'm going to zoom through this, but I want you to think about this. We can be offended by friends and family. Those are the offenses that cut the deepest. We can be offended by church and ministries. You know, I'm not going to go into a teaching about this right now, but the Bible is really, 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 really clear about not touching the anointed of God. Even though King Saul was doing things that were not appropriate and not good, David did not insult and or touch King Saul because he was the anointed of God. And God is really clear about us speaking unkindly about the men and women that he's put to teach the Word of God and to be our ministers and preachers and pastors and rectors. And that's not to say that we don't come against heresy, but you don't come against someone because a man of God speaks too much about himself, or a man of God isn't the kind of speaker you wish he would be, or he doesn't teach this, or he doesn't emphasize this, or he does this, or does that. Those are offenses, and they're offensive to God, and they're part of the enemy's MO, modus of operandi, against the Church of Christ. Jesus Christ. And then lastly, we can be offended by God. I want to just tell you really quick, an offense is an injury or wrong done to one. And most of this is on your handout, and that's why I'm I'm allowing myself to zoom through it. It's a stumbling block or cause of temptation. The Greek is the word scandalon, which is where we get our word scandal. And every time I say offense, I want you to think stumble, because offense in the Word of God is always about stumbling. Offense, stumble. When you're offended, if you don't give that offense to God and you let that seed of offense take root and grow, it will cause you to stumble and it will cause you to sin. Over the last two weeks, I've had time to think about this and pray about this and pray about the offenses that I had in my life and think about things that I didn't even know I was offended by. You know, have I been offended by by a ministry? Have I thought as I watched one on TV, oh, they do this too loud, or they do that too loud? Have I been offended just simply because somebody's not like me? You know, I I am a I'm the opposite of procrastination <laughs> to the max. I mean, in college, I used to finish projects right when the syllabus would come out. And part of it was I was married and I was working and that kind of thing. But the professor, I remember one time in college, I finished this huge project for an advertising project. And he changed the syllabus. I was like, oh, no, you know. I'm one of those people that completely does things ahead of time. And I can get easily offended if I'm not aware of the enemy's M.O. by people who fly by the seat of their pants and everything's last minute. I can be offended And you can be offended simply because somebody is not like you. 
And God says for us not to be offended. And we're going to look at those scriptures. As Christian, God warns us not to be offended at each other. Proverbs 18, 19 says that a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions, their strife, are like the bars of a castle. We're told, we're told to avoid offending each other. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block. What does that mean? When I say offense, I want you to continually think stumbling block, stumbling block, because that is a synonym for the Bible word for offense. When, you, when I say offense, I want you to think stumbling block. And that's why God wants those offenses out of our lives and out of our hearts, that we recognize them and we give them to God because they will be a stumbling block in our lives and they will cause us to fall, stumble, and descend. Every single time. What do I mean? Offenses will cause you to stumble into judgment. They will cause you to stumble into unforgiveness. They will cause you to stumble into bitterness. They will cause you to stumble in every way you can think of. So we don't want to take them lightly. We don't want to take the words miffed and irked and bugged lightly. And if you find yourself saying those words a lot, check your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to show you, am I offended? Because you might be, and that's a stumbling block in your life, and it will cause you to sin. What we see in 1 Corinthians 8 9 is that they're saying, basically, in that context, that some people are tripped up in their spiritual walk because they've been given the freedom as Christians to eat all things now, even meat from idols. And it's tripping up other new believers because that's such a new concept for them that that hurts their conscience. And what Paul is saying here is be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block. See, we have freedom in Christ, but I don't exercise my freedom if it's going to be a stumbling block to somebody else. If I go to Africa or someplace anywhere in the world where women are expected to wear long dresses and not short dresses, and they're expected to wear dresses and not pants, that I don't say, hey, you know what? In Jesus Christ, I can wear pants, and I can wear pants in my country, and I'm wearing pants here. I don't do that because that might trip someone else up. I also do little tiny things. I don't want to trip anybody up. I Little things that I would have the freedom to do, you know, Lacey has, uh, we've had times where we've been together with people and they'll have a ranch party or what have you, and Lacey will say, well, you know, I'll bring the drinks, and part of bringing the drinks is bringing the beer or what have you, and I'm going to the grocery store, and he says, will you get a bunch of cases of beer? And I'll say, no. And, he, and then he'll say, you're right. Why? Why would I not go and buy four or five big old cases of beer? Because I teach the Word, and it might trip someone up. It may not trip you up, but there might be somebody there. There might be a teenager there. There might be someone there who, number one, doesn't even know I don't even like beer. And number two is thinking, my gosh, the Wittens drink a lot of beer. (laughs) But see, I can't say, well, you know what? I have freedom in Christ to drink beer, and I'm going to drink beer. And if I want to drink beer and I want to buy five or cases of beer, I'm going to drink beer. I have to have a heart that cares that I don't offend my brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians 8.12 says that when you sin against your brother in this way, when you become a stumbling block to them, 
you sin against who? Jesus Christ. This is what our attitude should be in 1 Corinthians 8.13. Therefore, if what I eat or what I do or what I say or what I wear causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat it, say it, do it, wear it again. 1 Corinthians 8.13. But we will offend each other because none of us is perfect. James 3.2 says, we stumble in all ways. That's what it says in the NIV. In the King James it says, for in many ways we offend. If any man does not offend in his words by what he says, he's perfect. So if I never offend anyone, and you never offend anyone, you're perfect. So we're going to offend each other. But we have to look at what do we do when someone offends us? That's what we have to look at. We can pray and ask God with all of our hearts that we not offend someone else. And, and, and with all of my heart, I don't want to offend someone else. I don't want to cause them to stumble. But we also have to look and ask God, what do I do if I'm offended? Number one, cover, do not expose the offenses of others. Proverbs 17, 9 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. God tells us that if someone offends us, we are to cover it. And the Bible says here in this verse in Proverbs that the opposite of covering, the opposite of promoting love, which is covering, is repeating. And when we get offended, the first thing we want to do is repeat, right? Right? Right. Well, I've already forgiven them and everything, but it really bugged me that so-and-so said this, or it really miffed me or irked me. And we use all of these nice words that really mean, I am offended. And I want you to know about it, and I want you to take up the offense as well. And God says that we are to cover and not to expose. I want you to later go back on these handouts and read what God says about a person who uncovers an offense. He calls them a perverse man. Proverbs 16, 28. Read that later. Number two, we're to overlook the offenses of others. Proverbs 19, 11. This is the greatest scripture. I want to just put it in my car everywhere. Proverbs 19, 11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Isn't that awesome? It's to your glory and to God's glory to overlook an offense, to just Overlook it. Not only don't repeat it, just don't even mull over it in your mind. Just overlook it. Remember where offenses come from. Remember MO. Remember the enemy's modus of operandi. Offenses come from the enemy. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that anyway. You can go back and read that later. Offenses always come from the enemy, and they're there to make us self-conscious instead of God-conscious. You know, I could give you so many examples, and again, this is honestly, honestly a five- or six-hour teaching. It is a conference that I'm trying to do in 40 minutes. But I remember so vividly, right before I was going to speak to a really large group of teenagers, a man came up to me, and he was upset. At that point, um, this was about, gosh, I don't know, quite a few years ago. 
maybe 10 or 12, well, about 12 or 13 years ago. And he was upset because of some of those small Bible studies that I was running for kids were interfering with something he was doing at that time at his church. So he grabbed me to talk to me literally two minutes before I was going to go speak to this group. And he laid me out verbally. I mean, he just laid me out. And I had to... You know, the person who was trying to introduce me had my right arm, and he had my left arm, and then I was about to speak, and it was absolutely from the enemy to distract me. Offenses will distract you. They are called to distract you. They keep us from our life purpose and victory, and I'm going to give you a perfect example of this with David and Goliath. You know, David was sent by his father, Jesse, to help his brothers and the rest of the Israelites as they were fighting the Philistines. He was sent to the battlefield to help them, to give them food, to see if there's anything that they need. And when he got there, his oldest brother Eliab laid him out and really judged his heart and said about every dirty, rotten thing you can possibly say. And if you look here in your handout, 1 Samuel 17, 28 says, Eliab, David's oldest brother, says to David, Why have you come here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You've only come here to watch the battle. Now, most of us at that would get a little distracted from the whole Goliath thing, right? I mean, I'd say, forget Goliath. Eliab, get over here. Okay, I have had it with your attitude. I am your brother. You've embarrassed me in front of everybody, and I need to settle things with Eliab, right? Not David. What does he do? If you look in 1730, 1 Samuel 1730, he turned away. It is to your glory to overlook an offense. Why? It will take you from the victory that God has for you. It will take you away from your mission, your vision, what you're to do. In that small instance for me, I was to talk to those kids with all of my heart and soul and mind focused on what God would have me say to them and not what I needed to say to him. We need to overlook an offense. The enemy might try to use an authority figure to try to get us offended. You know, Eliab in David's life is that the enemy lots of times uses a family member to get us offended. Yes, Eliab is his older brother. The enemy many times will try to use a family member to get you offended and get you distracted. The enemy will also try to use an authority figure. If you look at 1 Samuel 17.33, Saul replies, You are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy who has been fighting. He's been fighting from his youth. He's saying, You're weak. You're not able. And here's an authority figure discouraging him, which hurts, you know. David looks up to Saul. Saul's king. And so an authority figure is belittling him, and David doesn't get offended. And then the enemy himself, represented by Goliath, will try to get us offended and will curse us and try to get us all off from what God has called us to do. But see, David understands that 2 Corinthians 10.4 tells us that our weapons are not carnal, and he doesn't get into Goliath's insult. And he doesn't try to fight the enemy in his own game. He understands what the word says, that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're spiritual. And he says, basically, if you go back and read David and Goliath, he says, you're an uncircumcised Philistine, and I come to you 
in the name of the Lord my God. I want to read this to you. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into our hands. First Samuel 17:50. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David had the victory. And you know what? I have to admit to you, before studying this, and before studying David, and before studying offenses, if I had been David, I would still be arguing with Eliab, my older brother. I don't know that I ever would have even faced off to why God called me to the battlefield in the first place. Because I'm fighting this person who's a family member. And I'm fighting this person who's an authority figure. And I'm fighting this person or this enemy who is Satan, our enemy who will try to distract you and get you offended so you get off course from what God's called you to do. It's important for us to not be offended by others, but I wanted to get to this, and thank God we're there, and I thank you for hanging in there. I told Lacey how fast I was going to try to go this morning and how I was trying to zoom through this material, and he said, well, tell them to put their seatbelts on. You know, here's what I want to get to because this is where my heart beats this morning. We're not to be offended by other people. But more importantly, most importantly, we are not to be offended by God. We are not to be offended by God. John 16, 1, Jesus says, These things I have spoken unto you that you should not be offended. See, we're easy prey to becoming offended at God when we don't trust God with our circumstances, even when we don't understand what God's doing in our lives. Jesus, before he was crucified and he knew that Everything was going to come down, and his disciples were not going to understand that the kingdom that, that they thought were going to, was going to be established was going to be established in the way that they thought it was going to happen. And he says in Mark 14, 27, All you should be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And then in Mark 14, 29, Peter said, Although all will be offended, I won't. But wasn't he? See, Peter denied Jesus, and Jesus said, because the circumstances are not going to line up the way you think they are, and because things are going to look really black and grim and horrible for a time, and it's going to look like I deserted you, it's going to look like I lied to you, it's going to look like I was not even here for you, and that your whole life was a waste, it was a waste to follow me. Don't be offended. And Peter says, oh, I won't. But see, he was. He denied Jesus, and the sheep were scattered. We're easy prey to becoming offended at God when we don't take him at his word. You know, a perfect example for this is communion, and I won't get into teaching that, but I wanted you to look at those verses in John 6, 60 and John 6, 61, because as he was first teaching about communion to his disciples and teaching that they must drink his blood for the remission of sins and they must eat his body for the wholeness and healing of their body, soul, and spirit, it was too hard of a teaching for them. And Jesus says in John six sixty one, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, he says, does this offend you? And it did. Many fell away because they just didn't understand how to take Jesus at his word. And those are two huge lessons for us. 
when our circumstances don't line up and it doesn't even look like it's worth it to follow God, don't get offended at God. And when we don't understand His Word and we don't even like certain scriptures because they're too hard, don't get offended at God. Hang in there with Him. Today, many of Jesus' disciples are offended at His Word and stumbles. And I'm going to skip because I have to. And I'm going to get to where I want to go. And I just pray that I'll have time at another juncture to teach the rest because it's painful for me to skip any of it because it's made such a difference in my life. But I want to talk to you about the best example of what to do when you're tempted to be offended at God. Matthew 15, 22. And I know I put this on probably the last page of your handout. It's talking about a Canaanite woman who came to Jesus with a huge problem. And I'm going to read those scriptures and then we're going to look at this lessons from this Canaanite woman because she's changed my life. You know, God didn't just put stories and people in the Bible for us to be entertained. It's because the Word is alive. And when we read those, not only are they different every time we read them, but there are lessons buried deep within them that change our lives. And I think here's this Canaanite woman under no covenant. She is not under any covenant. And yet I know we're going to meet her in heaven. Because she had so much faith. Why did she have so much faith? Because she knew the word, she knew the law, she didn't know anything. Why did she have so much faith? Because she lived a perfect life and she was basically sinless? No, I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Not from reading about what the Canaanites' practices were. I would say absolutely not. Why did she have so much faith? And why did she receive so much from God? Because she refused to be offended. And when I would read this story before, I would think, Jesus, this doesn't even sound like you. Until the Holy Spirit started showing me, why did Jesus do this? And why is it in the Word of God? It's because it's going to teach us something that if we get it, it can mean a difference between life and death. It can mean a difference between blessing and cursing. It can mean a difference for everything you want to receive from God in your life. Matthew 15, verse 22, a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed. I used to read that story, and I would hear that this woman who needed the mercy of God, who needed something from God, was calling out to God. She was going forth to Jesus. 
And I saw her heart as she called out to him. And then it says here in Matthew 15, 23, that Jesus was silent. And then it says then that his disciples, his followers, sent her away. Go away. And then Jesus called her a dog. And I thought, how could she not be offended? And yet, we have something we need to see here because as Jesus saw her willingness to get lower and lower and lower and to say, God, no matter what you say, I'm going to trust you. I'm coming after you. I refuse to be offended. It says in verse 28, you have great faith and your request is granted. See, I believe in my heart that Jesus saw her heart. And he saw someone that he could trust to teach his disciples and to teach us a huge lesson. And that is trust me, trust God, no matter how it looks, no matter how it seems, if you understand his word, if you understand what he's doing or not, don't be offended and get lower and lower and lower. Humble yourself before him. Refuse to be offended. Number one, even if God appears silent, you look at verse 23, Jesus didn't say anything. There's many times in my life where I've called out to God and called out to God, and I didn't hear a word. And you know what? Satan comes to you and whispers in your ear, be mad at God. Leave him. He's not done anything for you. Don't fall for it. Number two, we're not to be offended even if God's people reject us. I've been there. Have you? Maybe it was purposeful. Maybe it wasn't purposeful. But I've had people in God that, that one in particular that I so respected and so admired and do respect and do admire, and that person has an incredible gift, and yet they rejected me for reasons that they only know. Seeing how easy that would be to be, I've had it with church, I've been offended, I'm leaving. How many churches have split because of offenses? How many people have left church and never come back because they're offended? Number three, even if God's answer seems harsh, I'd say verse 24 and 26 are pretty harsh answers. He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And he says again, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. That's a pretty harsh answer. When you feel yourself getting offended at God, here's the things that have changed my life. Number one, stay humble before God. She stays so humble. In verse 22, she's crying out after him. In verse 25, even after he's silent and he tells her that he's not even sent for her people, he's sent for only the people of Israel, it says in verse 25 that she came and knelt before him. You know, after you or I might have wanted to say, look, I came here because I heard you were God. And I came here because my daughter needs help. And I came here and, 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 and your disciples have sent me away. You've been silent. You said you're not even sent to my people. And you've called me a dog. You see if I ever come back. What does she do? She kneels. I mean, God's teaching us, you all. She kneels, she gets down low, and the Bible tells us in three different scriptures I've listed here. I'm sure there's more. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
He gives grace, and grace is not just some fluffy word. Grace is the power of God. Grace is the power to overcome. Grace is the things that you need, the miracles that you need. Grace is power. Grace is all the blessings of God that we don't deserve. Whereas mercy is not getting from God what we do deserve. Grace is all the blessings of God. And God gives that when we're humble. She humbles herself before him. Number three, agree with God, even if you don't understand. Look at her on verse 27. Look at her agree with God. He calls her a dog. And she says, yes, Lord. Look at her agree with God. You know, there's been so many times that things have happened in my life, and and more than I would even like to care to admit. But times when I've been flat in the middle of what seemed like hell on earth, and all I could do was read the Word and see the Word did not line up with my life, but I had to agree with God. Yes, God, yes, I agree with you. I agree with your Word that you have good plans for me, your plans to give me a future and a hope, as it says in Jeremiah 29. I agree with your word that it's by your stripes I was healed. I agree with your word. Just agree with them. Don't get offended. Number four, keep seeking God in faith with his love for you. She's seeking him and seeking him. And number five, remember that even God's crumbs are very powerful. I prayed that prayer. And you know what? It works. All I need is a crumb, God. That's all I need. See, Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of life, and he, he is the Word of God. You know, all it needs is one word from God lots of times. Sometimes all we need is one scripture. All it needs is crown God. But see, God himself tells us in 1 Peter 5, 5, and James 4, 6, and Proverbs three thirty four that he will set himself against the proud, but give grace to the humble. And I have to ask myself a question here. Hebrews 13:8 tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes? He hadn't changed. He's the same. And he trusted this woman to not be offended and in front of his disciples and in front of us today learning from her. She would just keep humbling herself before him no matter what he said, no matter how it looked until she received from him. He trusted her, and he hasn't changed. Can he trust you with the same thing? Would he ever call one of us to be like that Canaanite woman? And could he? Have you ever seen someone go through hell on earth, and they just kept praising God and praising God and walking with him and walking with him and trusting him and trusting him? And you were at the point where you were almost offended at God because of them. God, do something for them. Help them. They love you. Do something. See, if she had gotten offended, do you know who would have been hurt in the whole thing? Her, but also her daughter wouldn't have been healed. You know, sometimes if we get offended with God praying for someone else, we might then block their getting their healing. She was going to God with, for her daughter but she didn't get offended. Jesus is so good. I've run out of time. Refusing to be offended strengthens our faith and it allows us to receive God's very best. 
Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Oh, I love that scripture. Psalm 119, 165 can be your scripture and my scripture of how to stay out of offenses. It says in the King James Version of Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Loving God's Word, studying God's Word, knowing God's Word, who is Jesus Christ, the Logos Word of God, gives us great peace, and it keeps us out of offenses. God gives grace to the humble. He gives us His power and His blessings. And I'm so thankful for that Canaanite woman. Aren't we going to be surprised who we meet in heaven? I think a few of them might be surprised to meet a few of us. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your clarity of your word that you don't want us to be offended. Father, many of us have been offended at a person or persons, maybe even a whole culture. Maybe we've been offended at the whole world, Lord. Maybe we've been offended at a ministry or a minister or a church. Maybe we're offended at a family member, God. Maybe we're offended at our own spouse. But, Father, help us to see that every time we're offended, if we don't take care of it through you, it will be a stumbling block to sin. And it will cause us to be completely misdirected from the mission, the mandate, the destiny, and the victory that you have called us to and called us toward. Father, we just thank you for your examples and your word. The Canaanite woman, Naaman, who we didn't even get a chance to look at, just multiple examples. David, not to get misdirected and not to get offended. And Father, we desire with all of our hearts to get those offenses out of our life. And most of all, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for being offended at you. Release us, Lord, from that trap and that snare enemy's M.O. against us. We humble ourselves before you, and we admit to you we don't understand our circumstances. We don't like them. We don't even understand much of what you say in your word. We may not even understand completely your will and your ways, but we humble ourselves before you. Like that Canaanite woman, we bend our knee to you, Lord. And we say, yes, Lord. It only takes a Father, I pray for anyone here that you might be using in the in the limelight or in the the lamblight, it's a better word, so that you can show other people that you don't want them to be offended. Father, anyone here that needs your grace to keep trusting you and keep loving you no matter what, so that they can receive the promises that you've given them, even when you're silent. Trusted to love you and trust you even when you're silent. Father, we praise you and thank you for the outcome of victory, for we know that we are more than victorious in Jesus Christ, and the one that's within us is greater than the one that's within the world. And we know one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we just thank you to be your people, the sheep of your pasture. Thank you that you would change us this morning to not be offended. In Jesus' name.
We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.